Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Uh, We have been in the book of James, and today I am going to speak on patience. All right, the one you've all been waiting for. So good. Literally the one you've all been waiting for. Okay, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to James chapter 5. I'll give you a moment to go ahead and do that. Don't worry if you don't have a Bible with you today. Uh, We'll make sure that all the verses that you need uh, either on the screen. And if you're watching online, hey, welcome. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, The scriptures will come up there for you too. Uh, But we've been studying in the book of James. And uh, just if this is a new thought to you, that we would study a book within the Bible, um, let me just catch you up about a couple things with the book of James. The book of James uh, is most likely uh, one of the earliest books written in the New Testament. And it was written to the followers of Jesus who were undergoing some really difficult times, some challenges, some trials. That's the word that James uses. Uh, and it's to encourage them to have godly character. It's encouraging them to continue on to bear up because God wants to do something inside of them that reflects his image, that they would have the character of God in the midst of difficult times. And so we might think, wow, that's an amazing message for then, but can I tell you it's absolutely relevant for now that we would display godly character in a time of trial, in a time of difficulty, in a time that has not been easy, Uh, and, and I'm not just talking about just even the recent years, let's just talk about life for a moment, that actually there's something that can be produced in us that's godly character when things are hard. So let's go to our scripture today, and it's James chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 7, and it says this, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You, verse 8, also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, lest you be condemned. Some verses say, uh, lest you receive judgment, because behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the intended, uh, seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Wow, that is an encouraging verse, isn't it? You have to be patient. You have to endure suffering. You have to be patient. You have to endure suffering. Anyone else pumped to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Woohoo! 
here we go. Let me read you one other verse. And this is how James is just, uh, if you want to read a whole book of the Bible, James is a good one. There's only five chapters. And so that's from chapter five. Let's go back to the beginning because James opens up his first, this letter with this, also this thought, James chapter one. In the second verse, it says, hey, my brethren, because remember, he's talking, uh, this is family talk. We're talking to those who are followers of Jesus. He says, hey, just a reminder, count it in all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work. Just turn to your neighbor and just say, perfect work. Do you know patience has a perfect work? And this is it, that you, might be per, uh, that you might be perfect, that you might be complete, and that you would lack nothing. That is the work of patience that James is saying is available to us, that there would be a perfecting process inside of us. So let's pray, because I don't know about you, uh, but I need some help with patience. And uh, let's start with asking God to help us this morning. So Lord, I thank you for all of us. You know all of our stories. I don't, and I can't pretend to, but there's something amazing when we come to your word that you speak to each and every one of us very specifically, individually, in that place that we need it the most. And so, God, that's my prayer, that you would uh, be revealed through your word today in the way that we need it the most. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you my title. My title today is Show Your Work. Show your work. Now, uh, some of you that might have uh, a particularly relevant meaning if you've been a teacher through the pandemic. Uh, maybe your kids uh, have been at home and you were called in as math teacher um, because uh, obviously we were making uh, different plans. And your kids came to you and you had to brush up on some math um, Mathematics, for those of you that are English, uh, but just for sake of convenience, we'll just say math because we're in America. Math, okay, and what happened was your kid came and said, I need help with this problem. And you go, okay, well, I can tell you the answer's 36. You're welcome. Go ahead now. And they go, no, but, but dad, I need, to show, I need to show my work. And you're like, well, Why? I know the answer. You ever had that question? You ever had that question? The second someone says, show your work, you're like, why? I can do it in my head. Why do I have to show my work? And, and if you've never had that experience, well, I'd love to meet you. You're a genius. Congratulations. You don't ever have to write anything down. But what we understand is, and I actually, okay, thank God for Google. Okay, when you don't know what to do, uh, first of all, obviously, go to the Bible. But secondly, if you don't know what to do, Maybe Google it. And so I, I, just, I just wrote into Google, why do we have to show our work? Okay, and this is, this is really, this is the answer uh, that, that I got, is that um, when you show your work, it says, this is what it said, math is about effectively working through a process to get to the right outcome. Interesting thought. That actually when your student or when you are going through it and they ask for an answer, they don't really, they're not looking for the answer. And I can tell you this because actually they put the answers in the back of the book. If that's a startling revelation to anyone today, you're welcome. Take it for free. The answers most often are in the back of the book. And so they're not saying, can you find out the answer? Because you could go, yes, I can find the answer. Flip to the back, I found the answer. But they're not asking for that. They want to know that you understand the process so that when a different problem comes along, you can rely on the power of the process. 
And you see, I think the same thing is with patience. I can tell you the answer to patience, and right now, here's where this message is going to end. The answer is Jesus. Now, does that help you? It might, and that's great. But you might say, okay, I know the answer is Jesus in my head. But what's the process? How does Jesus help me when I'm impatient? And you go, Jesus. Jesus. I don't know if it's having the same effect on you, but I don't know how Jesus changes my very present moment when I feel like this is taking too long. And so what this process, this perfect work that James is talking about, let patience have its perfect work. It's about learning something deeper than just the answer. It's about learning how to, how to find the answer in the midst of a problem. How do you, because if you know that, then when the problem changes, you're not faced. It's not like you've had to learn, you know, an equation to get to the answer. No, you've learned how it works. You've learned how you're being perfected. You'll learn how you're, you're, you're maturing in this thing. And so let's, let's, let's go and take a look at what the Bible says, because all of our problems look different. All of our problems look different. But if we understand what God wants to do in the midst of them, then we'll all come to that same solution. Jesus is the answer. And I, I believe that there's some, there's some things in this that James wants to maybe reveal to us even today through his writings. Now, there's two words in the Bible um, that are used for patience. Uh, the first is hupomone. Okay, hupomone, it's a Greek word, so you'd be like, I never come across this word for patience. It's a Greek word, and the, the New Testament is written in Greek, but the first one is hupomone. Now, it's different. This is not the word that James uses here for patience, but let me tell you what hupomone is because it's really good. Hupomone is patience for a process. It's steeped in hope, and it eagerly anticipates. It's that kind of patience. It's like, oh, I can handle this delay because I am so excited about what's going to happen. It's that moment where it's like, you know what, you're in a restaurant, and you've ordered dessert, and they go, oh, the chocolate lava cake's going to take 30 minutes. And you're like, I got hoopamoni, okay? <laughs> I can eagerly anticipate a chocolate lava cake. Go ahead, take your 30 minutes. I'll sit here and I will wait. And you don't sit there going, oh my goodness, why is it taking so long? You go, oh, it's taking so long because it's being prepared so beautifully. When, that, when I cut into it, oh, it's gonna, it's, uh, it's just amazing. That's hoopamoni, okay? Different. James isn't saying, hey, wait for the chocolate lava cake. No, he's saying something completely different. And this is the word I want to introduce to you today. Um, the word that James uses here, it's macrothumia. Now you're like, I didn't come for a, a, a words lesson, but let me tell you, if we can get to grips with what God is trying to communicate here, it can change your life. And I know preachers say that all over, all across pulpits today, this will change your life. This really will change your life. Okay, and I want to explain to you. So macrothumia, it's a Greek word, and it's made up of two words, macro and thumia. Okay, macrothumia. If you want, just turn to your neighbor and just say macrothumia. If you're online, say it out loud. Macrothumia. Love it, okay, because this word will change your understanding of some of the things that you've been going through. Let me explain to you. Macro, that word macro. Um, Macro means big. 
It means from a distance. It means long. And it's, okay, let's, let me give you a few examples. Okay, if we're going to look at macro versus micro, okay? Macro means bigger, bigger perspective. It's where we get macaroni, okay? Longer piece of pasta. I don't know why. Maybe I'm hungry today, okay? Macaroni, lava cakes, all good stuff. But that's what it means. Then the other word thumia comes from thumos, and it means to be angry or to be passionate in our response. In fact, there is a Hebrew word uh, that means uh, the same word, patience, and if you translate it, it means long nose. Now you say, why long nose? Because actually, what happens is when you get angry, when you get fuming mad, you start to, okay? That's the Hebrew word, yes. And I I hope anyone in the front row was safe from that demonstration, okay? But what it means to be long-nosed is it means to be long-tempered, that you can take anger and you can take frustration and you can bear under it for a long amount of time. A better word that this word could be translated more than patience that's often used in some translations is long-suffering. Can you be long-suffering? And the difference from hupomoni, hupomoni was more for a process. This word is about a patience for people. It's being patient with people. And it's different. I don't know if you've lost your temper, if you've lost your peace over a relationship with people, but this is the word that James is using. And in the context of this particular word, he's saying, look, this is how godly character is developed in us. When we are able to bear under the provocation of somebody else without retaliating. That's what patience is in this context. It's the ability to not bring revenge. It's not just not getting angry. And that's where we are, impatience. When I get impatient, I get angry. No, it's even more than that. It's to the extent that you're not going to retaliate. You're not going to avenge yourself. You're not going to lash out. That's the word here that James is starting to use. So let's, let's try and make sense of what the Bible is teaching us from our text. Um, James is, James's intention here is to develop godly character through trials. Verse 7 shows us something here. Verse 7, it says this, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. What we see here is that there is a timing aspect to this whole thing, okay? That actually sometimes things look different than the way we would have expected it. Let me give you some context for the farmer. It talks about this person who has to have patience in the process. He talks about that there is a, there is a first rain and a second rain, an early rain and a latter rain. You just need to understand how this works, okay? Because a farmer's life, a farmer's security, a farmer's plan, a farmer's uh, destination in this world was completely hinged upon whether or not he was able to grow a harvest. And the first rain that came was what enabled the soil and the ground to become soft so that you could plant a seed in it. Now, let me just make this very applicable for us. Maybe you're in that place right now where you feel like God has given you a dream 
you feel like God has put something inside of your heart and you are ready to start work on it, but yet there has been no opportunity to do so. What you need is a patience. And sometimes you can become frustrated with God. Because remember, this is a patience for relationships. It's a patience for God. Like, God, you said I would be married. God, you said. Think about Abraham. God, you said I would be the father of all nations. But yet, it hasn't rained. There's no way for me to start this process. And what God is asking for, for you in this moment, is be patient. Maybe you've had that opportunity and you're like, okay, things got started. Yeah, maybe it was pre-COVID. You started a business. God, this is what God has called me to do. And it's been amazing. But then you know what? The second rain hasn't come. And the second rain was important because that's what grew the harvest. It was what enabled things to grow, to flourish, to become what they were supposed to be. But yet you find yourself in the waiting right now and you're like, God, I don't understand your timing. I, I, I don't get it. And, God, and James is saying, we need patience for these moments. Because the desire at that moment when the rain hasn't come is to cut your losses, take the harvest from where you're at and move on. Abraham did that. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make this happen in my own strength. And I'm going to go ahead. And that's where we get Ishmael. I love the story. I mean, it's an amazing story of redemption because actually God still uses that. And if that's your situation today, God can still use you. God can still redeem it. God can still bring you to this place. However, let's go on in verse 8 because actually what we see is, as this scripture says, it says, you should be patient establish your heart, and then verse 9 says, do not grumble. Because what we see here is that there is a way in which we retaliate. You and I retaliate. We take, venge, we take revenge for ourselves. Now, this, this, this particular scripture doesn't mention fighting someone, okay? Let's just be honest. When someone wrongs you, it's pretty tempting just to hit them in the nose, right? Poof, right? That's revenge. We all know that. But we're Christians. We know we're not supposed to do that, right? We don't, we don't, we don't punch people in the face. That's not okay. Um, we know that. But what James talks about is that there's a retaliation that comes from our heart, and there's a retaliation that comes from our mouth. So let's talk about that for a moment. Because verse 8 says, Do not grumble against one another, lest you be judged. Whew. So... What happens is we sometimes short circuit the work that God is doing inside of us because of the way that we speak. In fact, we find out that the children of Israel, they grumbled and complained in the, in the wilderness. As a result, it was recorded as sin and it prevented them from entering in to what God had for them. Our mouth can do the same thing. And let me just be real, let's, just, let's be gentle about this, okay? Because I don't know about you, but this is a really easy thing for me to do, to retaliate. You know, when someone does something that makes you angry, when someone does something, maybe they wrong you, perhaps they treated you bad, and the thing that you want to do is just talk about it with somebody. And if you can find someone to grumble with, oh, it's a party, isn't it? Isn't it so good? You're like, oh man, this person, yeah, and this person, oh my goodness. And you start to retaliate. How? With your words. What you start to do is you start to build a case against that person. That's retaliation from your mouth. Maybe what you do is you start to undermine their authority. 
because that's your retaliation. That's how you're going to get back at them. That's how, and what this is, this is the work of impatience. It's the work of not bearing with someone. And, and so we can do this easy by lashing out. Check out what it says in James chapter 1 and verse 19. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath or slow to anger. Isn't that an interesting thing? Shouldn't this be posted on Facebook's laws? Be, be, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak and slow to get angry. You see, this is what godly character looks like. Let me tell you what my character looks like without God. I don't want to listen to you. I want to get angry and I want to say something right now. That's exactly how human character without God looks. But James, even then, seemed to have some insight into the world that we're living in, that this is the way that godly character is produced. You know, we can also lash out with our hearts, and we can retaliate with our hearts, and that can look a number of different ways. Let's just talk about this for a moment, because this one, this one's the sneaky, okay? This is the sneaky one. This is the, slight, the silent but deadly. I know we use that term for farts, but this is so much worse, Okay? This is the silent but deadly way of responding to the wrong, of, of, to, to, to be impatient. And it's this internal understanding that we are going to retaliate in our hearts. And what that looks like, it looks like a brooding. And it turns quickly into self-pity. Where you start to feel sorry for yourself because of the way someone treated you. And as a result, you're now going to take control of the situation. And you know how you're going to do it? I'm going to not like their post on Instagram. I'll show them. And no one else around knows, but you know inside. Nope, not liking that. Or maybe it's something different. You know, you go to a, you, you go to a, a restaurant and someone was rude to you. You know what I'm doing? Yelp. Let's go. Three stars. One star. I will retaliate. I will lash out. This is how I will demonstrate something that's happening inside of me. I was wronged. I was abused. I was treated wrong. And this is how I will get back at them. But can I tell you, when you start to allow self-pity to be the thing, self-pity just, it fertilizes all the worst parts of who we are. It allows us to do things which are cruel, it allows, things us, it allows us to do things which can be perverse. It can allow us to do things which hurt. And as a result, we compromise. We exchange godly character for, for something else. And we say, you know what? I can't have that, so I'm going to have this. I'm going to go and I'm going to make it happen for myself. And that's what retaliation on the inside of you looks like. And only you know what it's like. Only you know the feelings you have towards somebody. And you can tell whether you're being patient and you're suffering. Let me just say, what I'm not saying is that, you know, that that person might not deserve it. That might be the case. But there's something, there's a perfect work that can take place in you even when you're wrongly, uh, when, when someone treats you wrong. You can still bear up underneath that thing because of the strength of God inside of you. And so there's this a thing that we can lash out. Let me give you one more thing, the way that we can lash out is, is actually this idea of being completely indifferent. Patience is not being indifferent. 
actually what happens is when we become indifferent, we disengage from the whole process that God wants to do. But it looks like peace and it looks like patience on the outside. Like, wow, how is that person able to handle the way they're treated? The way they're treated, man, our boss always goes after that person, but yet they seem so calm. What actually is happening internally is they've just completely disengaged from the process. And that is indifference. When we start to treat each other with indifference, can I say it's one of the cruelest ways that we can handle a person? Let me talk about in a marriage for a moment. You start to become indifferent to your spouse. It's one of the cruelest ways you can handle somebody. It is the antithesis, the opposite of love. You say, you know what, I'm not even willing to be patient with you. I'm not going to engage in the process. I won't give you, I won't even get mad at you anymore. I'm not even going to indulge you. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to, because I'm just trying to be me. And it's interesting because now what we see in the Bible is that this word macrothumia, it's used more about God than it's used about us. This idea that God is long-suffering. This idea that God is able to bear up under wrong treatment. The idea that God can still love us when we don't love Him. And this is where two, two, two applications here. You might have heard this at a wedding in 1 Corinthians 13. Actually, when Paul takes some time to explain what love is, he says, love is patient, Love is macrothumia. Love is the ability to not retaliate when it's wronged. That's what he's saying. And it's this amazing picture of what God looks like. We also see in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Macrothumia once again. It's something inside of us that says, even though I am being treated wrongly, even though I have been overlooked, even though they are not engaging with me, I will continue to do what? Not show revenge, show grace. You see, because grace gives someone something that they don't deserve. That's what grace is. And that the Bible uses this term, patience, for how God's character is towards us. In fact, there are four words that the Bible often comes back to when describing God's character. The Lord is gracious, the Lord is compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. That is the character of God. And if, Paul, and if James is trying to establish godly character in us, he wants us to be slow to anger, compassionate, gracious, rich in love. When we do that, we reflect the image of God best in our lives. And it's amazing because we go to something like the cross and, the, and this moves me because Jesus was on the cross. He was wearing a crown of thorns. He was being tortured, but yet he didn't retaliate. He didn't respond with revenge. He responded with grace. And Paul goes on to say this to to Timothy. He says in in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, he goes, you know what, however, for this reason, I've obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ showed macrothumia, showed long-suffering. Why? As a pattern 
to those who are going to believe on him forever. What's he saying? He's saying, look, Jesus was patient with me. When I rejected Jesus, he still loved me. When I didn't give Jesus the time of day, he still pursued me. And it's this mind-blowing picture of what patience really is. That Jesus loves you, even when you're impatient. Jesus loves you, even when you've chosen to go a different direction. Jesus pursues you because he is full of this thing called macrothumia. And what we know is that this is a divine attribute. This is not something that we just come across in our own strength and our own will. This is something that only God can do. Which is why in Galatians chapter 5, it says, if we are filled with the Spirit of God, literally with the life that God has inside of him, if we are filled with the Spirit, there is something that's going to be produced in us. And that is the fruit of the Spirit. That we would, we would, that, that we would start to show patience. Not because we've sought out patience, but because we are filled with the Spirit of God. And that is where I feel like God got hold of my attention. Because I'm trying to be more patient, I'm trying to be more patient, I'm trying to be more patient. But actually, I think what we really need to happen is I need to be filled with the Spirit of God more. When I'm filled with the Spirit of God, there's something that happens naturally. Fruit happens naturally if the root is right. And so if there's something right inside of me, and the Spirit of God is inside of me, then something is being produced inside of me that... I don't know how it happens, but I'm not seeking patience. I'm seeking God. I'm seeking His Spirit. I'm asking the Spirit of God to come into me. You know, I, um, over this, this, this last year, it's been kind of an interesting season, but I started, God started to show me and humbled me how I have retaliated. Maybe it was in my heart or with my words to people around me. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but what I do know is this, I would like patience to have its perfect work in my life. That this is not about getting better at waiting for inconvenient wait times. That's not what patience is. I believe patience is something so wonderful that God had patience with us. And I want to have patience with other people. I want that to be the defining characteristic of my life. That even if you treat me wrong, I'll show you love and I'll be gracious to you. Not because I'm amazing, but because God is. There's another scripture, and this one really just kind of, I don't know, it, it, it moves me because it's got such a fascinating idea to it. But in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, it says this. It says, that there was this time when the divine, who is God, uh, when once the divine long-suffering, that word, word again, macrothumia, waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. I don't know, there's something about this thought that I don't know moved me in such a deep way that God would wait for the plan of redemption to be built before he would act on Noah. And if you just read the Bible, you'll find it says that Noah found favor. Noah found grace. And as a result, God waited for Noah before he would judge the world. Because Noah needed more time. Is that wild to anyone else? And I suddenly saw myself in that same place. 
that, you know what, there was, God has patiently waited for me so that the plan of redemption could be brought to fruition in my life. And I think back to some of my college days, and I think about some of the decisions I made, and I think about some of the manipulative attitudes and the, and the wrong thinking and the retaliation and the way I treated people badly, and I think, wow, God was patient with me, and then he saved me. And then he showed me grace, a man that doesn't deserve it at all. It's just wild to me that this idea of macrothumia has been throughout my life and there are times I didn't even know it. You see, because when you are filled with grace and when you give people what they don't deserve, you don't have to tell them that that's what you're doing to them. Because the second you do, it's kind of like retaliating. Hey, you just want to know you're a real jerk, but I still love you. (laughs) Nailed it. Not patience, right? Just want you to know you treat me so badly, but I'm still here. That's not the process. That's not the perfect process of patience. I want to share this this final one with you. It's just our team comes back. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and macrothumia, his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? See, when you start to see how God is with you, Man, it's so good. It's amazing. And then you realize that when you are filled with grace because God gave it to you, you now have something to give to somebody else. If you don't feel like you have grace for someone, then the best place you can come is to the cross of Jesus because that's the place where we receive grace. All the wrong things that we did go on to the cross. And what we receive is life, forgiveness. We receive grace, even though we don't deserve it. And that's where we live from. That's when the Spirit of God fills us so that we have, when we go out into life, and, and you know what? Let's just be honest. James was, you're gonna experience trials. And sometimes as Christians, we have no answer for that. How can a good God lead us into a place of suffering? How is that possible? Because actually he didn't lead you and leave you. He's absolutely with you in the midst of it. And if you'll let him, he will develop something so rich, so eternal, and so amazing in that process that actually when you step into another problem, he will show his work in your life. He will show his work. You see, because it's not about showing your work. Your work is revenge. Your work is anger. I say you, but it's me too. All of us. That's how we, it's how we manage. We retaliate, we lash out, but God does not. God shows mercy. For the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. That is who God is. And if we allow Him to show His work in the midst of our problems, we will see that Jesus is the answer. I told you. 
you will see that Jesus is the answer for your life. Whether it's for your marriage today, Jesus is the answer. Grace can bear you up in the midst of this. Whether it is some conflict, some friction, some real hard stuff and pain in your life because of a relationship somewhere. Could be a work colleague, could be a neighbor, could be a best friend. You suddenly realize we don't have the same opinions. And what it's done is caused rifts and it's caused separation. And you know who's having their perfect work? The enemy. This is not the perfect work of patience that we would endure with one another, that we would suffer, yeah, suffer for a while. Because suffering and self-sacrifice is the very example of Jesus, but it produces life. And it's a hard lesson to learn. And it's a difficult thing to walk through, but you don't walk through it alone. You see, because Jesus, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, that we might know a better way, that we might know life, that you might know how to bear up in the midst of very difficult circumstances, that the character that's being developed inside of you would be this God-type character. And we would start to resemble and bear the image of our Creator, which is how God designed this in the first place. You wouldn't bear the image of an abused, of a hurt, of a broken person. Though your situation might say that's the work that's taking place in you, God in His goodness stepped in. He sent Jesus. He gave you a new way, a new way to handle relationships. I believe that God is calling His people in a new way to patience. And if you thought patience was, I can wait another 10 minutes without getting upset, I believe God's got something more for us. So I want to invite you, would you stand with me? And this morning, just as we're, we're concluding, in the room, online, believe that God wants to do something in you right in this moment I'm going to ask for two things firstly I'm going to ask you if you don't know who Jesus is you never knew that there was a God who suffered long for you the Bible invites you Jesus invites you and I'm going to invite you if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour You want to put Him in control of your life? You're tired of being in control of your own life. Bible says it's making Him Lord. It's making Him Savior. He's the one that's going to save your life. You're not going to be the one. The burden of saving your own life comes off you today. And you can experience Jesus. So I'm going to ask right now, just with everyone kind of looking around, if you say, look, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And this is my moment. If that's you, will you lift your hand up? Just want to just wave at me? It's okay. Maybe your heart's beating a little bit. Thanks, thanks. Maybe your heart's beating a little bit quicker. You say, you know what? I just want Jesus to become the Lord of my life. If you're online, we're, we're just gonna, we'll put a, a link in there. You say that that's happening in my life right now. I want to make a change. 
Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Just put your hand up right now. Awesome, awesome. Anyone else? I just want to see, just want to make sure. Okay. Church, can we all pray this together for a moment? It's a simple invitation and a simple prayer of, of surrender. So you pray this with me. You say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I make you the one who is in control of my life. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now the second thing, and this is, I'm going to ask you to do something. If this year, or maybe just right now, the time that you are living in, you've been hurt, you've been disappointed, and you know, and you know, and only you need to know this, but you know that you have retaliated. You have had revenge, given place to anger and wrath in your own life. I believe that today, God can bring freedom to your life. I think this is, I think this is the moment. And, and in all my preparation, this is the moment I prayed for most. That you would become free. And simply, this is what we're going to do. This is unusual. And I'm not, if, if you feel uncomfortable, don't do it. But if you say that today, look, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I don't want to be impatient. I don't want to be vengeful. I don't want to take, I don't want to lash out anymore. I need something, I need some greater place to access this godly character. And if that's you this morning, what I want you to do, I want you to step out from your seat. I want you to find a space in the front and I'm gonna pray that you are filled with the Spirit of God. And so I'm gonna ask you, go ahead right now, if that's you, come forwards because we're gonna pray for you and we're gonna ask God to fill you with the Spirit of God. Come on, come on, space out, space out, space out. Guys, come over here, come over here. Guys, come, 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 there's gonna be space. Come on, come on, keep coming. Hey, space out, space out. Because this is a moment where I believe God is gonna speak into your spirit. God is gonna heal you. There's gonna be a change in your mind. There's gonna be a new character that comes out of you. That God is gonna fill you with His spirit. So as you come here, just if you would be bold, just lift your hands like this, like you're gonna receive something. Because I believe that God is gonna fill you. And with your own lips and with your own mouth, just say, God, would you fill me with your spirit? Holy Spirit, be poured out in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you. God, that we don't have to handle this in our own strength. But God, where we've run out of our own energy. God, where we've run out of our own ideas. Come on, for some of you here, you have... You don't even know how to think a different way anymore. Your mind has been so preoccupied with revenge and retaliation, guarding and preserving your own life. Trying to avoid the hurt has become a full-time job. And that is not the life that Jesus promised you. And so in this place, I pray that you would start to experience a fresh touch from the Lord that your mind would start to be renewed, your spirit would be restored, where there was a 
uh, salty water that ran through you. Now the living water of heaven starts to wash you and cleanse you. And then something's coming out of you that's not tainted. Come on. It is the perfect work of patience in your life. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.